Okay, well, welcome to EM Toxcast. I am here today with my good friends, Rick McKnight and Kurt Wolford, and we are going to talk about resilience in emergency medicine. So uh, without further ado, maybe you guys could introduce yourself. Uh, Rick? Yes, so uh, I'm a consultant. I've been a consultant for a good long time, and in the last few years, I've done more and more work with academic medicine, and that's taken a couple of forms. Resilience training, yes, but one-on-one coaching Mm -hmm. also uh, for executives in academic medicine, deans and department chairs and so forth, who are seeking to enhance their leadership ability. Excellent. And I'm Kurt Wolford. I have a background in organizational development and human resource development and mindfulness. And I brought them all together to, to work with the medical community in, in the realm of resilience and you know, mindfulness in medicine. Oh, great. So I um, discovered these two chaps in my travels through resilience, decided, I guess, about, about a good year ago that we were going to, by golly, teach emergency medicine residents how to be resilient. And so we had the audacious goal of putting on a resilience retreat for roughly 50 emergency medicine, 45 residents, and then uh, about 20 faculty. And this was, did we do this in February? Yeah, it was February. March. Uh, beginning of March. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we let a little time pass. It's one of, my, one of my approaches when you are looking at your reviews of a lecture. So let a little time pass <laughs> before you start looking at your reviews. Today, we actually pulled out the reviews of our retreat and went over them. Uh, we tried not to dwell on the uh, one little sad face review, <laughs> which was... Uh, which was uh, there were no other words on the paper. No, no, somebody just took <laughs> it. said it all. They just got their paper and just drew a sad face. So we're not sure what that means, but that was one review. But the rest were really uniformly positive um, in essence, the retreat was to teach mindfulness techniques, both on an individual basis and then to develop team resilience techniques as a, as a team, in other words, to work together to uh, identify characteristics of resilient teams and how, as a team, we all could be more resilient attendings, emergency medicine residents, supporting each other in the uh, endless number of challenges we, we face in a given day. And to do that, Rick and Kurt joined me for a couple of shifts in the emergency department, uh, got their eyes sufficiently bulging from their head, and uh, took copious notes. I think the review showed that we had a really big impact uh, on uh, our residents. We were going over them, and Rick just took a whole bunch of notes on what the themes were that developed from this building resilience uh, training that we went through. And I think the thing that stood out most, at least as I heard uh, and and read some of the um, evaluations, was that people uh, derive a lot of value from the perception that because of the discussions and the the group uh, sharing exercises that we set up, that people felt like they weren't alone mm, in this yes. and uh, right. emergency medicine as I've come to learn about it 
is is not a profession in which you're either encouraged or nor have time to share your own personal experience and it's not common for people in a professional setting to share their feelings in any event but mm. in emergency medicine it's it's linked also it, it's made even more difficult because there's so many time pressures yeah and, uh, so many of the evaluations emphasize the value of sharing um, sharing experiences and yes. perceptions about right. common situations that are stressful. Yeah. Listening to others' stories yeah. and feeling, feeling connected to, in, to others and developing a sense of team. Yeah, one of the reviews wrote uh, the what, the best uh, one of the positive aspects what they wrote on there was like realizing I'm not alone. Uh, uh, we were discussing the EM Docs Facebook page, which has now roughly twelve thousand e EM physicians on there, and literally that's the, the one of the overarching themes is just the sharing this this these experiences and building that social capital of connectivity that makes you feel like uh, what I'm doing is has meaning and purpose and others are struggling with the same difficulties uh, and uh, very very rewarding to get those to share those stories around the fire at night <laughs> which I think Facebook or social media is, is basically uh, a surrogate for these days. And another thing that came up which I was delighted to see come up was that many people on the evaluations, or at least several, uh, mentioned that it was beneficial to them to become more mindful of their feelings. Yes. Mm -hmm. Not only did they seem to value the normalization and validation of feeling in general, but the encouragement to be aware of feelings and the validation for being aware of feelings positions them uh, to be more choiceful about how they respond to them. I think that was the theme there, mm -hmm. at least as I picked it up. Yeah, in, in the realm of increasing EQ. And uh, another theme that, that came up was uh, the interest in mindful breathing techniques and the ability to you know, regulate you know, that part of the system, which helps to stimulate the parasympathetic response in the body, the natural um, relaxation technique. So we looked at a couple different techniques. One was the side breath, slowing down the exhale. And then the other you know, um, a 20 breaths technique, anchoring attention in each breath cycle for 20 breaths. And the idea is to just um, encourage attention in the present moment. Mm. The comment many residents made was like, I don't think I have time for 20 breaths. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very important, as we're discovering on the feedback, it's very important to put resilience and mindfulness techniques in the context of the actual practice of EM. Um, but I think, Kurt, I remember you talking about how that training, uh, how the sort of restructuring of your mind starts to occur even the first time you practice mindfulness and even for a short time as you learn to sort of realize your mind is drifting off a, a self, sense of self-awareness and then a return to the to the present moment 
Yeah, the restructuring of the brain, you know, takes place, you know, one moment at a time, mm -hmm. and each time we return our attention to the present, and we can conveniently anchor it in sensation of breath, really anchor it in, in anything. But every time we redirect our attention, because we notice that it's wandered elsewhere into the past or the future, mm -hmm. then it helps us um, to be more aware of where our attention is, but literally to slowly restructure the brain. Mm -hmm. A lot of resilience and mindfulness, uh, and we're going to review an article in a little bit that looks at this, but is often put into the context of, shall we say, extreme stress. Right? Um, you know, a stressful moment. Uh, some of it is derived from combat situations. But I do think that uh, the what we were trying to emphasize in our retreat was not so much that you know, it's lights flashing, uh, you know, sounds going off, extreme pressure, but also in the dealing with people on a regular basis uh, and at the rate at which you do that in a typical EM shift, which is roughly two or three people an hour that you encounter. And the, the, the mindfulness that you uh, accomplish often allows you to sort of like assess that reaction you're getting mm -hmm. you know when you pick up a chart and it's hypertension and you and the patient hasn't taken any medications and your mind really goes to sort of like oh this is frustrating you know like mm -hmm. why this is not an emergency <laughs> yeah. and we all we all so very easily react to you know stressful triggers and with practice the idea is to um, mindfully develop skills so that we're you know responding Right. to these triggers rather right. than just reacting. Right. Now, what about this concept uh, that, in fact, I mentioned at the beginning of of the retreat that is resilience just BS? Like, <laughs> if our jobs didn't suck so much, wouldn't, uh, w would we really need resilience? What's, what's, your, what's your pushback on that, Rick? Well, I think, first off, I, I, I think there's something to it. <laughs> Uh, but there's not enough to it to <laughs> to not do training um, sure. days like this. Um, and I think the point that's being made is um, that we live in a social context, and that context can be very stressful. And if that context is very stressful, then what do you expect of me? Right. Aren't, aren't I going to be at the effect of it? And we are at the effect of our environments. But at the same time, if that's if, if the position you take is, well, I would be fine if it weren't for the context, then that makes you at most a survivor and most likely a victim. And certainly not what I like to call a navigator. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. The person who who comes from the highest version of themselves and the 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 navigator mode is the is the mode we're in that benefits all, all us all the time not just under high stress situations but certainly under those yeah and um it it, it when we can come from that highest version of ourselves, we are by the way less apt to blame our circumstances <laughs> for right. our behaving and instead we're we're much more likely to choose the response that we have to any given circumstance. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I agree one hundred percent. And the 
I think the proof is of the pudding is in the tasting. And when you see resilient uh, physicians practicing emergency medicine, they seem to be doing something that seems to be a lot of fun, that other people are enjoying, and that their patients are doing well and appreciate their care. And when you see EM physicians saying, well, if it wasn't for this, uh, I would be okay, you, you see an op the opposite. You see them being a victim, basically, a victim of their circumstance, or we never have enough this or enough that. My motto uh, when I'm in situations like that, as I told you earlier, is uh, I take some of these circumstances and I go, another chance to excel, you know, where you just say, like, look, I'm going to find a way to make this better somehow. That elevates everybody's game. Right. And so here's the other part, which is which it nods in the direction of, well, I understand. I, I, while I don't understand that resilience is BS, I do understand that the social context is really important right. when it comes to human performance of all, all kinds. And in this instance, going back to the evaluations of this day, um, I, what I heard was as the most valued component of the day was the sense well, I guess I already touched on it, which is the the sense that we're in this together. Yes. And the and at the end of the day, when we gave them the opportunity to talk about the four scenarios, mm -hmm. and to break up into group to do that, groups to do that, and share their own experience, and exactly. to hear from others, I think that was really beneficial to them. So the social circumstance is profound. And if you can d create a it within the contours of emergency medicine or any stressful yeah. circumstance, uh, uh, a supportive team atmosphere, everyone benefits. Yes. Well, for sure, the end of the day was the most popular part, and that was the team resilience training. And the goal there, we created, we reviewed a certain number of scenarios where that choices that all of us made as individuals would determine the experience other members of the team had. And the examples we used was um, patients uh, screaming or yelling, asking for help and, and, and being ignored, or um, a nurse um, you know, in a difficult confrontation with a patient, or a very sick patient uh, that um, doesn't seem to be getting everyone's attention. And um, I think the techniques, uh, at least in my experience, just back in the ED working since then, is that we've noticed much more of a team approach and a much more of a, what I like to call a swarm approach, where people form those, those great experiences in EM where you form these instant teams of nurses and doctors with everyone with a purpose and, and uh, a focus. And so I think that that final piece, if you think resilience is not for you, realize that if your team is resilient, your experience will be much better. And so in as much as you may not be um, big on mindfulness or meditation or whatnot, uh, embracing the concept of resilience of your team and contributing to that in some way, shape, or form, uh, I think is really, really important. So that's cool. Well, we have a great article that literally is hot off the press. It's actually in press. I shared it with uh, Rick and Kurt. It comes from a group of guys who I know have been very much in, interested in um, performance under st stress. 
the lead article is a Mike Loria, who many of you be familiar, familiar with podcasting about stress and resilience. The uh, uh, ultimate author is uh, Scott Weingart, who's published a number of things uh, and podcasts on resilience. And they came up with a, a couple of very interesting approaches. And one of them is this beat the stressful uh, mnemonic. Uh, and uh, it's funny, when I, when I saw this, I was like, I have to share this with Kurt and Rick because this is really almost, you know, similar to what we were teaching during our resilience day. And the beat the stressful is breathe, uh, talk, and self-talk. And then C, which is the mental rehearsal. And then F, focus with a trigger word. And my favorite is that there's a little picture of Mr. T there. <laughs> Beat the stress, fool. <laughs> we did spend a lot of time on the breathing. We yes, certainly did that. And, mm-hmm. and we talked about how, uh, and this article goes into a lot of detail on how breath control is one of the, one of the conscious ways to control the autonomic. Uh, I think it's, and I think that's very important and can't be overemphasized. Um, talk a little bit about positive self-talk. Uh, I was, I chatted with one of my residents. He was, he was amazed to find out that I have this internal conversation going on with myself during most shifts, where I'm constantly having this positive self-talk going on. <laughs> so you guys are, your yeah. experience uh, in, you know, this realm. What, what does that do for a person? And and when is when is positive tel- self-talk sort of fall into hubris? You know, you just sort of like you shouldn't be convincing yourself you that you're so positive. And when does it talk? It, when does it go to helping you perform under stress? Mm-hmm. Well, the the thinking mind can certainly be very active, and the thinking mind can be uh, our ally or our enemy, and. From a mindfulness perspective, bringing awareness to what's happening in the moment. And is the thinking mind uh, you know, helping me or is it getting in my way? Mm-hmm. So with a little awareness and a little redirection, uh, the thinking mind and the self-talk um, can be beneficial and, and supportive and can reduce stress when we notice that we're having some stress reactivities. Mm-hmm. So the self-talk um, uh, things they talk about are either instructional or motivational, like, you know, I can do it, you can do it, or uh, like I said, if I had a guess, I, mine would be another chance to excel, like this sense of purpose that you're there at the bedside at that right moment because uh, you know that you've got the set of skills that are necessary to get the patient through this rough patch. And on the other side of that is noticing you know, when the, when the self-talk is in the negative realm, exactly. in the realm of, like, I can't do this. And then from a mindfulness perspective, I can't do this is future-based. So what's happening in the very moment, you probably are doing it. Mm-hmm. So the anxiety is about the mind, you know, reaching into the future and throwing a negative spin on it. Exactly. So we, we will we'll depress ourselves if we ruminate about our past failures on a particular, let's say, a, mm-hmm. We had a laceration. It was very difficult. I was like, ah, I could, I, I didn't, I wasn't able to close the last one up. And then we'll make ourselves anxious if we have this negative image of the future out there all the time. So, if you're, if you have a, a sick patient, you're trying to intubate, and you immediately start thinking about the times where you could not. <laughs> that's not good. And then if you have a, if you have an image out in front of you of 
the failures, uh, you know, or the potential for failure, then that's going to actually increase your anxiety and your stress level. Right. You know, awareness of what the mind is up to and an awareness of how we're responding to what the mind is doing. And then with that awareness, then we can make choices. We mm -hmm. can literally redirect it. Now, the other thing that the, the S on the mm -hmm. BTSF is the C, the mental rehearsal. Uh, and this is a very, w this is in academic medicine in a big way uh, because many times before we go into a room to do a, to do a procedure, we, uh, the attending, will sit down with the resident and we will do a little mental rehearsal. Um, and uh, we do it in that famous, my, uh, the, my favorite sim center, which is your brain. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. And then you rehearse it and then you rehearse not only do you rehearse the, the positive components, but you rehearse the, the negatives as well. You know, uh, you anticipate things going poorly, and then you have your plan B, and you, you rehearse how you'll activate plan B and when you'll activate plan B and how you'll, you'll rescue the situation uh, with that little positive self-talk, like, I'm not going to, I'll be able to get out of this jam by doing X, Y, or Z. And then another good thing is, is that you inform your team of that, too. And so the team's resilience improves. So you'll say to everybody, okay, we're going to go this way. If this doesn't work, then we'll have this ready, and we're going to move into this next, um, you know, plan B and plan C. And we often teach that with, to our residents when it comes to preparing for um, very high-risk uh, procedures with very sick patients. Yeah, this technique can be very effective. It's used by athletes. It's used in, in Olympic training. And then for us in... In medicine, uh, the subconscious mind doesn't know whether we're doing it for real or whether we're just imagining it. So it's a very powerful technique. Now, the one thing that I thought was interesting um, that they mentioned in this is this Q word concept, um, like a focus word. C-U-E. Uh, C-U-E, yes. Right. Yeah, right. To, to basically focus with your trigger word. That's the word they use, the trigger word. I'm not sure that I've... I, Every rarely have done that, but I'm trying to imagine what that practice would be like. What what effect does a trigger word or what have you have for these high stress situations, Rick? Well, that that's a new one to me too. Yeah. Uh, uh, the the idea of a trigger word, but I want to tie to uh, the self talk a little bit. Okay. Uh, in this context, um, I read a study uh, a few months ago that with respect to self-talk that um, found that when subjects in the experiment were taught to use their own name mm, interesting. in talking to themselves, it was profound. It was, it was really, really helpful. So um, especially when a person had self-doubt about wow. proceeding in a in a certain situation, hmm. uh, saying encouraging uh, words to themselves while using their words, their their own name. Hmm. Uh, so it was giving voice to the higher self, that part of uh, the self that uh, some meditation teachers call the grandmother part of the cell <laughs> so everybody you know most people at least I don't can think tell I've a met story. my grandmother part of myself yeah <laughs> <laughs> well it, everyone can relate to the idea or most people can that 
there's something called grandmother love. You know, the nature of grandmother love is, you know, unconditional oh, positive okay. regard. Sure. Yeah. And if you can speak to yourself and use your name coming from that part of yourself that has compassion for for you mm. uh, you might as we were talking earlier uh, rich you, you might if you find yourself as a uh, as an emergency physician either a, a resident or mm-hmm. uh, even a long-term physician facing a situation you find particularly stressful right you can speak to yourself in a supportive way that may enable you then more ably to reach out and get the support of a colleague. Okay. That is front and center in medicine now because as we look at uh, the rates of depression and mental health issues amongst ourselves and colleagues and even markers for the, the degree of that with suicides and physician suicides, um, this um, ability to realize that you need to ask for help and to move beyond this almost tribal shame of asking for help, uh, I think, is going to be a real challenge in medicine and one we've really got to cultivate uh, now because it, 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 it is an issue. I, I, I shared with you that the response, some of the responses I got after the retreat uh, where folks will come up to me and say, like, I really, I really thought it was great. Um, and I, I'm don't not, tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> I have feelings for God's sakes. <laughs> <laughs> and so we, we've got to get over that in a big, big way in medicine. And I think that's one of our, I think that's one of our big, big challenges, really truthfully. Right. And I think this, this particular day, not to put too fine a point on it, but I think this particular day, and it was actually, it was both encouraging and humbling to read these evaluations that said, gee, the supposed experts standing in front of the room <laughs> spouting their expertise didn't spell the difference for people between this being an interesting day and a very, very useful day. What did was the sharing of personal experiences. Right. That is very, very cool. Yeah, that is the powerful piece. Uh, and that is uh, that builds that social connectivity and social capital amongst the whole group that um, makes for uh, an elevated enterprise. You know where folks are feel good about themselves and about the teams that they work on. The net effect is that their patients are better and they enjoy what they do and they like coming to work and seeing each other. <laughs> And that's if huge. only, right? Yeah, that's right. the way it should be. And unfortunately, in medicine, we've got we've got so many struggles. Unfortunately, that's not uh, that's not uniform. You know, that's uh, in fact maybe a little right. bit rare. And when you think about the irony, it's just I mean, it's just it it, it just makes you wag your head that mm. here are people doing such beneficial work. So let's take these people that have studied for decades to hone their skills to practice in very difficult circumstances and then let's burn them out right (laughs) and put them at the brink of uh, personal catastrophe well surely we're smart enough if we're if we can you know learn to do emergency medicine surely we're smart enough to create social circumstances that bring out our best not our worst yes you would think 
1987, uh, an intern named Rich Hamilton wrote a letter to the editor about the the then wave uh, at the time was to, to teach humanities in medical school. And the point of my letter to the editor was like, don't don't make me read Shakespeare as a medical student and then <laughs> be on call every other <laughs> night. <laughs> because that was that's what happened to you back in those days. And we've gotten better uh, from from that time period, but we still haven't learned the basic lesson that, that this construct of human behavior and humanistic behavior comes from. Uh, treating yourself and others humanely, you know, and especially uh, treating yourself and others within your profession. I think it's been too easy as physicians to sort of say, like, well, I take good care of my patients. Yeah, but you're a, you're a rip-roaring, you know what, you know, to your colleagues. And uh, I think we need to, That's those are the things we start to uh, need to move beyond. Well, any closing thoughts on uh, on resilience and uh, team resilience, individual resilience, and mindfulness? Stress is contagious. And True enough. This is where mindful resilience can serve us all very well. You know, resilience is has a lot to do with stress hardiness, but also has a lot to do with how rapidly we recover mm -hmm. from the stressor, and that's where the mindfulness skills that uh, can come in. And, and support our our recovery. Mm -hmm. My my last uh, comment has to do with um, <laughs> one thing that I started with in, as we opened the retreat that day, uh, which was not mentioned by anyone on the evaluation form, but I <laughs> but I would do it again, which is that uh, the the dangers and risks of maintaining chronic unabated stress mm. even if it's moderate yes moderate uh moderately elevated levels of chronic stress um can hurt you over time right they can hurt you psychologically psychologically and physically yes and um so anything that can be done to bring yourself to a state of deep peace once a day right especially if you're in a in a very stressful role like an emergency medicine a physician is that it will be very beneficial yeah totally agree and i my feeling is is that uh the mindfulness techniques and meditation and learning to build your personal resilience and the resilience of the folks on your team is really the motivation comes from w wanting to have to experience a profound enjoyment of practicing emergency medicine and feeling that you're you're you've got a purpose and you're masterful in, in, in your knowledge and application for the benefit of others and it just makes you feel good you know it doesn't need any more justification than that in my mind is that we, it just has such a good positive effect well, thanks for joining me. That will wrap up our podcast for this month. Uh, you will probably hear about mindfulness and resilience from me or us sometime in the future because this is a topic too important to just do once. So thanks, everybody, and goodbye for Thank now. You.